Welcome everyone to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle Podcast. I greatly appreciate you for listening to another episode. Before we get into the main segment, let's go ahead and start getting the intro stuff out of the way. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. That's the best way to keep up with new podcasts as they're released. It's the best way to make sure you don't miss one podcast. Also, go ahead and hit the review button on Apple Podcasts and also Spotify. If it leaves a review on Apple Podcasts, please, please make sure just to leave just a one-sentence review. For some reason, Apple Podcasts seems to weigh those a little bit more than just a five-star. That's the best way for people to find us when looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Also, if you have a buddy that you hit the range with or that you talk guns with, go and hit that share button. Uh, go ahead and make sure that you can share the 2A Lifestyle podcast with your other gun buddies and go ahead and help grow this podcast. Also, go ahead and check out our social medias. We're everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. On Facebook and Instagram is mainly where we're active, but we have everything from a MeWe, Parlor, Twitter, TikTok. We're everywhere. But go ahead and check us out so that way you can make sure you keep up with what we're up to in between podcasts. Also, if you like the podcast, go ahead and check us out on Patreon at 2A Lifestyle Podcast. That's the best way to support the show. Even if it's just $1, it greatly supports the podcast. Anything you guys give us, it goes directly into this podcast and goes to help publish the podcast. Also, it helps us make sure that we can get new equipment and go ahead and grow the podcast and keep up with some fun stuff that we have going on in the future. So with that, let's go ahead and start getting into the show. As with anything in this podcast, we're always going to talk about the shooting sports. And to start off, we're going to talk about Proof Research's Greg Hamilton and Night Force's Sean Murphy win first place at Legion Team Sniper Challenge. This article comes to us from Amaland, of course. Uh, so Proof Research's uh, is a obviously a sponsor of shooters along with Night Force. Uh, they went to the Dark Concepts Real World Sniper Challenge at the end of April, <clears throat> which was held, uh, and also they went to the Legion Team Sniper Challenge held May uh, at the 5th Special Forces Group Range Complex at Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Uh, this is a very unique Special Forces stress, stress shoot format, which was designed to help with uh, sports psychologists in order to induce chaotic situations while being tested on target recognition, ranging, wind calling, non-standard shooting positions, problem solving, and stress management. Man, that sounds like a hell of a thing. So the match created a two-man uh, team uh, for a two-day match. There was a 30-plus teams with a mix of civilian and military snipers. Proof Research and Night Force Optics were one of the sponsors of the event. So we want to make sure that we recognize those two good shooters and wish them uh, congratulations on their win. Next article also comes to us from Amelan and is titled as Jesse Harrison wins 16th Ladies World Speed Shooting Title. Uh, so Bushnell, uh, along with Hops, uh, wanted to congratulate the pro shooter Jesse Harrison for her 16th Ladies World Speeding Speed Shooting Championship title. Uh, she uh, was off of her recent ladies title win at U.S. Steel Nationals, where she took uh, top lady and seventh overall in the open division uh, during the World Speeding Shooting Championship. So throughout the uh, the competition, uh, she obviously is sponsored by Hops and Bushnells. Uh, so good on her for that. We always, like I said, we always want to highlight the shooting sports because that's how we get people into shooting normalized firearms and get them to think more of firearms than what the mainstream media think it is, which is just, you know, just killing machines, their tools and shooting sports uh, as well. Also, we want to make sure that we highlight any gun company that does uh, great stuff. And this article, next article, is all about that. It's titled is Henry Donates 25000 to the Border Patrol Foundation. This article comes to us from Amaland. 
so the Border Patrol Foundation is a organization which is mission to support the memory of fallen U.S. Border Patrol agents and provide immediate financial aid to their families. Uh, it was founded in 2009. Uh, so this is awesome that Henry was a part of this and donated $25,000. I tell you what, Henry, uh, man, Henry does a lot of work, you know, for a gun company that most people really don't think of whenever they're thinking of uh, donations being made to uh, different charitable organizations and, and things like that. Uh, we have covered several uh, articles on this podcast where Henry has donated uh, different varying amounts to different charitable organizations and stuff like that. So I tell you what, if you are looking for a lever gun, I hope you honestly think of Henry because we obviously need to support the companies that support good organizations and charity like that. Uh, next article also comes to us from Emilyan, and it's titled Smith & Wesson Announces New Brand Ambassadors. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm not one of them. So, joining uh, the Smith & Wesson Ambras Ambassador, uh, Ambassadorship, Ambassador Program, I don't know what the fuck you would call it, is uh, Travis Kennedy. Uh, Travis Kennedy is, knows a lot about firearms and firearms knowledge. He enlisted in the Navy in 2006. Uh, with the goal of becoming a uh, Navy SEAL, which he went up on doing. He was also a Special Operations Combat Medic, uh, went through their course there. He was stationed with SEAL Team 4. Uh, shortly after uh, this, he was a part of the training division for the Special Operations Urban Command, or Urban Combat Training Division. Uh, and in 2019, he made his uh, decision to give back and start Kennedy Defensive Solutions. Uh, he applies his experience towards educating and training individuals on defensive shooting tactics and instilling the thinking shooter mindset. Uh, so the next person is uh, Chad Robichaud. Chad is a former Force Recon Marine, DOD contractor, and pro MMA champion. Uh, he founded the Mighty Oaks Foundation, a leading nonprofit serving the active duty military veteran and first responder communities, uh, and is considered a subject matter expert on faith-based solutions to PTSD. Uh, he also serves as the chairman of the White House Veterans Coalition, uh, and also Chad co-founded Save Our Allies, which led to a historic effort to rescue uh, Afghanis who uh, cooperated, I guess you could say, cooperated, worked with, whatever you want to say, with the U.S. Allied Forces in Afghanistan, uh, helping rescued 17,000 people during the Afghanistan withdrawal. So that's those are pretty good two people, in my opinion, that Smith & Wesson picked to be their ambassadors, uh, especially after we talked before about Kalashnikov USA uh, finally popping their head out of their ass and dropping some, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you'd say bad ambassadors but definitely different uh, these are two good solid choices to represent Smith & Wesson the next article comes to us from guns.com uh, it's titled ammo maker offers donation for Idaho firing squads uh, this is pretty interesting so in March uh, Idaho Republicans governor Brad Little signed HB 106 which permitted state prison officials to substitute a firing squad should the hard-to-find drug talk cocktail for conducting lethal injections become unavailable. Uh, the measure approved, uh, you, you know, popularly in the state house and the state senate, uh, and it went to the governor's desk where he signed it. So now, uh, Florida-based Liberty Ammunition this week made no bones about the fact that it's offered to donate ammunition to the firing squads for Ohio, Ohio, Idaho, Idaho, assisting them in time of budget constraints and increasing volume or increased violence in our nation. Uh, so the law takes place July 1st, and it makes Idaho the fifth nation to legalize firing squads again as a method of execution following Mississippi, Oklahoma, Utah, and South Carolina. So uh, Idaho has at least eight inmates, uh, seven men and one woman that are on death row as of the time of this article. So that was that's pretty interesting. Thought that'd be cool. Uh, next article comes to us from Emily, and its title is $18,000 in active shooter training scholarships to Iowa educators. 
so the Iowa Firearms Coalition is proud to announce they've launched a new active shooter training program designed for educators and school staff in Iowa, God, Idaho, Iowa. It's called the IF or the IFC Educator Academy. The program, which will be held August 15th through the 17th of this year, is an intensive three-day training program that will provide educators with essential skills and knowledge to provide uh, to respond to active shooters. Uh, the program is led by Lieutenant Colonel Ed Monk, who is you know considered an expert in active shooter, and Adam Winch who is a police trainer and founder of Defenders USA. The course is usually $1,000. During the program, educators will delve in historical examination of active shooter threats at schools. Uh, they'll learn tactical movement training, precision and handgun, handgun usage, and firearm skills assessment. The IFC chair, John McLaughlin, says he believes in the transformative potential of this program to make Iowa schools safer. So I'm definitely a fan of this because I feel that the uh, you know security of our schools is a definite uh, huge you know concern should be for every Americans and it shouldn't just be you know gun control is all we think of whenever we think of school safety. Uh, we should obviously you know allow our teachers to be armed and trained. To respond to active shooters and we should have more law enforcement there as school resource officers as well this next article comes to us from the firearms blog uh, it's titled national farms commerce and traffic assessment a detailed look at america's gun trade so this is actually a study released by the atf and the report looked at the state of the farms industry in the united states and it is truly interesting uh, it leverages the ETF's access to manufacture information to create a comprehensive picture of what kind of guns are made and sold in the United States. And it also paints a picture of the sheer, sheer size of the U.S. gun industry and gun market, as well as a major upswing over recent years. So in one uh, table, it shows in 2000, uh, there was just under 4 million uh, firearms made. Uh, and it's around 1,400 firearms manufactured per person. In 2010, that bumped up to 1,800 firearms manufactured per person. And then in 2020, it is up to 3,400 firearms manufactured per person. So when you're looking at the top manufacturers of firearms, uh, Smith & Wesson comes out at number one with 8.2 uh, 8 million uh, Sturm Ruger uh, comes under right at 8.16 million. Uh, Sig is right under at 3.6. Uh, Freedom Group is just over 3 million, and then of course uh, Mossberg and Sons 2.2, and then it just goes on further down from there. So the handgun uh, manufacturing overtook rifle manufacturing as the largest category of domestically produced firearms, and the ATF credits this change to the spread of legal concealed carry opportunities around the United States. And that seems like a persuasive, persuasive inter in, you know, interpretation um, based on anecdotal evidence. So when you go start to look at uh, FFLs, so uh, they talk about Type 7, which is the most common FFL. And in California, uh, you know, in 2000, uh, that had the most FFLs with around 7.7 of the country or 7.7 percent of the country's FFLs. Uh, Texas was at 7.2, uh, Florida was at 6.3, and then went down Arizona, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Tennessee, Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Minnesota. Uh, as of 2020, Texas overtook California and has 12.3 percent of the country's FFLs. Uh, Florida with less than half at 6.1. Then it goes down Arizona, Ohio, North Carolina, California, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Colorado. I don't know if that's, yeah, Colorado and Utah. So with the National Firearms Act, uh, it goes to talk about the applications received uh, to the ATF. In 2010, uh, it was 95,600. Uh, up to 2016, it went up to 
525,583, then dramatically dropped in 2017, uh, and then it started just a slow uptick in 2017. Uh, in 2017, it dropped down uh, 268,000, uh, and then now in 2020, it is surpassed 551,000. So, you know, NFAs, that includes uh, suppressors, you know, anything controlled under the NFA, uh, NFA Act. So I thought this is a pretty interesting, um, you know, a pretty interesting report in regards to the state of the farms industry. It clearly shows that the farms industry is growing and it is a large part of the economy. Uh, it goes to show, you know, which farms manufacturer is doing good, you know, is, is stronger and, you know, has a bigger manufacturing capacity than others. It also talks about, uh, you know, like I said, NFA items, you know, individual states on, you know, how many gun dealers there are in that state. Uh, it's a pretty interesting concept. Uh, doesn't really give a whole lot of, in this article, opinionated um, sections of the report. Because obviously, if the ATF did this report in regards to the FFLs and the farms industry and, and manufacturers, um, they might be trying to be a little biased. But reading the article, it didn't say anything really about uh, any kind of uh, pro-gun control opinions in the report. It just talked about the farms industry as a whole. So I thought that was a pretty good report and I think you should go check it out uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Next article comes to us from guns.com and it's titled as Judge Halts Much of State's New Banned Everywhere Carry Law. So a new wave of concealed carry restrictions passed uh, post-Bruin uh, in uh, Massachusetts or I'm sorry, New Jersey. Uh, and so lawmakers last December rushed a bill uh, prescribed by both supporters, those opposed to, you know, perhaps, uh, or wanted to be the toughest the nation of gun laws. And the laws were given to Governor Phil Murphy's desk where he signed these. And this week, a federal court, in reply to a lawsuit against the ban, which is Coons versus. Platkin said that a list of restrictions likely doesn't square with the recent Bruin case in which the Supreme Court rejected neighboring New York's restrictive May issue concealed carry permitting scheme as unconstitutional. So the Coons case was brought by, by uh, brought forth by four individuals: uh, Ronald Coons, Nicholas Guado, Jeffrey Miller, and Gil Tall. They were backed by the Second Amendment Foundation, Farms Policy Coalition, Coalition of New Jersey farms, owners, and New Jersey Second Amendment Society. And the plaintiffs argued that New Jersey statutes boil down to a prohibition against carrying handguns for self-defense outside the home, even with a slightly easier to get permits than what was once available. Uh, so the FPC was thrilled with the outcome. Uh, meanwhile, Janet Carter, who's the senior director of issues and appeals at Everytown Law, argued that New Jersey law that placed most areas off limits to lawful carry is extremely consistent with the Second Amendment, which we know it's not fucking true, uh, and vowed to help fight this dangerous decision on appeal. So we will definitely keep up and see what happens there. And you can also add Maryland uh, to this lawsuit as well. So the FPC and uh, Second Amendment Foundation announced a new lawsuit against the state Senate Bill 1 restrictions on the peaceful carry of farms outside the home the same day it was signed into law by Governor Wesley Moore for a crowd of t-shirt wearing gun control advocates. So I got a feeling this is going to be very similar to what has happened in New Jersey and we just have to keep an eye on what's going on there. Next article from Emmeland is leaked documents show FBI's definition of militia violence extremist. Um, God, I don't know what the fuck is going on. You know, when I saw this, I was like, oh, I think that's an old article. I think let's, uh, but let me go ahead and cover it. But, uh, it is again, an old article, like same thing. What happened with the last episode with Mike? I don't know what the fuck is going on with goddamn, um, fucking site, but they need to get their shit fixed. So disregard, because now that I'm looking at it and I should have done this beforehand. I see that this articles from September of 2022. So, 
it is something that I'm sure I've already covered. Uh, next article is going to be from Emiland as well, and it talks about alleged uh, unlawful practices by ATF put on blast, and a full investigation is needed. So, what happened is the Citizens Committee, Citizens Committee for the Right to Keep and Bear Arms, uh, today asked Congress for a full. Uh, to fully investigate allegations of substantial waste, um, you know, mismanagement, unlawful employment practices at the ATF before approving the agency's fiscal year 2024 budget request of $1.9 billion. So the Office of Special Counsel has alerted Congress that. Uh, and President Joe Biden about allegations from two whistleblowers uh, who alleged that the ATF unlawfully provided law enforcement pay and benefits to agents and investigators who filled non-law enforcement positions such as human resources. And according to the Office of Special Counsel sent by Henry J. Kerner, these positions had been intentionally misclassified to be within law enforcement job series. And this is an article that we actually covered. I think this is actually the article that we covered uh, last week by accident with Mike, and we realized it was an old article. Uh, but, you know, they are, you know, pissing away hundreds of, um, you know, millions of dollars and, you know, putting it in the pockets of these corrupt ATF agents. So, uh, I'm definitely interested to see what happens there because, as we have as we have seen with the ATF, they definitely do not really are you know do things by the book or above par on uh, what they do. So, let's see what happens. Let's see if maybe the ATF is actually held accountable for once. Next article comes to us from Ameland. It's titled "Is Maine Democrats Advance Sweeping Gun Control Package." Uh, earlier this week, Democrats on the Criminal Justice and Public Safety Committee advanced several uh, extreme gun control initiatives despite Maine's past reputation as the safest state in the country. Uh, they ignored numerous calls from gun owners, advocates, and fellow lawmakers. Uh, the first one is LD-22. It's an overly broad bill that, put Maine, that puts Maine out of alignment with federal law regarding the sale of antique firearms. The bill classify, classifies antique firearms in the same class as all other firearms. So those would have to have background checks and all the other kind of stuff. So if you aren't familiar, uh, if a firearm is over a certain age, um, it, you do not need a 4473 uh, to be done with it, you know, to go through with the purchase. Um, so that bill would end that. Uh, LD60 delays Second Amendment rights by opposing a three-day waiting period uh, for any individual that can lawfully purchase firearms. Um, the next bill is LD168, which requires universal background checks. Uh, LD1011 requires law-abiding gun owners who are victims of theft to report stolen firearms within 72 hours of when the owner knew or at least should have known it was lost or stolen. Uh, now that's pretty fucked in my opinion. And then also LD1340 uh, bans legal rapid fire modification devices that are already commonly owned and used by citizens of Maine. So it includes but not limited to bump stocks and binary triggers. And that would actually be a felony. So uh, it seems like Maine's trying to go ham. Uh, this next article is a good one, though. Uh, it comes to us from Ameland. Nevada governor loudly vetoed state Democrats' trio of gun control bills. Uh, so the Nevada governor, Joe Lombardo, who is a Republican, uh, vetoed three gun control bills that were passed through the Nevada legislature. Uh, so in the run-up election for the governor, the Nevada governor, uh, Lombardo, promised to veto any legislation that would infringe on Nevada residents right to build firearms. He also said he supports the right of law-abiding citizens to own a firearm if they choose so. So he's definitely putting, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk. Uh, and that is, that is good shit, man. Like, I love it to see when a, um, a, uh, 
you know, politician holds up their word. So the first bill uh, would have banned anyone convicted of a hate crime in the past 10 years of purchasing a firearm. The severity of the crime didn't matter, whether it be a felony or a misdemeanor. Uh, the second bill would have vetoed, uh, or that he vetoed, would have criminalized bringing a farm with 100 feet of a polling place. And the last firearm would have raised the minimum age to purchase certain semi-automatic rifles and shotguns to 21. So good job on Governor Lombardo. Next uh, article comes to us from Emlyn as well, and it's titled as Recording Exposes Gun Control Advocates Plotting Mayhem at Special Session on Guns. So we have covered this a bit um, after the Nashville school shooting, which we'll be talking about in a little bit as well, uh, that the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee, is wanting to pass certain gun control measures. Uh, he is talking about doing a special session for the Tennessee legislature and that all they're going to do is just, um, just, you know, pass, try and pass some sort of gun control. He wants to pass, uh, red flag laws and other gun control measures. So there is talk from anti-gun or pro-gun control uh, advocates that are going to do a tactic called bird dogging, uh, which they will harass legislatures and potentially anyone who supports, uh, you know, any Second Amendment push, and follow them re relentlessly to extract damaging sound bites or statements. Uh, the advocates consider this tactic a means of holding lawmakers accountable, uh, but we know a little bit better. So this includes uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, are training some of these people uh, and uh, you know they're gonna have groups like Antifa and who fucking else knows is gonna show up to this and they are really trying to hound Tennessee into you know which is a fairly red state they're trying to hound Tennessee into passing more gun control and that is basically how the progressive left and those who want gun control are going to try and force their agenda down our throat is by harassing lawmakers into giving up what we hold dear, which is our civil rights or civil liberties, which is the Second Amendment. Uh, talking about Nashville, uh, this comes to us from Amelan Covenant School fights transparency over Nashville shooting manifesto, what is being hidden. Uh, there's been some speculation I've heard in different podcasts and news uh, you know, outlets in regards to this, uh, the police was planning on releasing the manifesto of the shooter at the Nashville school shooting. Uh, so the, uh, former sheriff and the Tennessee Farms Association, all of which has, uh, you know, they've asked for the manifesto to be released, but has been denied by the metropolitan government of Nashville and Davidson County and the denial and subsequent lawsuit have raised significant questions about what the school and metro are trying to hide from public and pro-gun groups uh which is you know very you know intriguing to see what they are trying to trying to hide whether it be some sort of um wrongdoing by the school uh maybe some sort of political statement from the shooter themselves uh, we won't know until they finally decide to release that manifesto. And I hope they do because, uh, honestly, truth is what matters. And that is what is going to make us more informed, uh, you know, making us a more informed populace. And that is what we need in this country because there's been so much willful ignorance to common facts of our country and our government and what's going on in the world and because we're you know choosing to keep our head down and not do anything about it it is allowing people to railroad us uh, with misinformation because of our willful ignorance to not hear the truth so the next article is going to come to us from Ameland, and it's titled is Representative Bobert introduces bill to repeal Rhino uh, Republican gun control and defend the Second Amendment. Uh, so Lauren Bobert, she is no 
uh, stranger to the spotlight, I'm pretty sure that's all she really cares about in regards to her political career. Um, you know, there it's she's been in the spotlight this you know just recently because of her filing uh, divorce papers against her husband, who they've been together like 21 years, I think. And uh, so she is basically just trying to repeal uh, all uh, gun control that was passed by either the House or, uh, you know, through um, executive actions, you know, repealing, uh, you know, funding that were going to be given to states to pass red flag laws, repealing the decision to criminalize private transfer by reclassifying private sellers as gun dealers, repealing the federal waiting period for some adults to purchase rifles, repealing the law that disarms adults for misdemeanors. Uh, It would also cut the ATF's uh, budget by 14.1%, cut $14.4 million for the ATF to maintain its illegal gun registry, cutting $700 million in bribes for red flag laws, I already said that, uh, reversing the decision to weaponize the VA to attack veterans with gun confiscation, uh, defunding the Department of Education's effort to mandate so-called safe storage, uh, defunding VA and HHS programs that track where veterans are storing their guns, defunding programs that discourage women from exercising Second Amendment, and defunding research that labels conservative gun owners as dangerous right-wing radicals. Now, all this is fine and dandy, um, and there's there's more into it, and if you want to look into it, you can look at Amelan in regards to this, but I, I fucking hate it whenever there are um, Republican politicians that attempt to, you know, grandstand uh, like this whenever they know they don't have the necessary control in the branches of government in both House and Congress and in the presidency to pass such legislation like this. Because, you know, say for example, it does pass in the House. Uh, It's going to go to the Senate where it's going to die because the Democrats control the Senate. And say, for example, we did control the House and the Senate. It's going to automatically go to the White House to die there, uh, either with a veto or a pocket veto, and there's no fucking way that this is going to pass. And I absolutely hate the grandstanding that these politicians do to make us feel warm and cozy because, oh, look what I've done to help the Second Amendment, blah, 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 this and that bullshit. I mean, it is absolute horseshit that they do this because they know what they're doing. They know there's no way that this is going to pass, but they're going to continue to pass these or introduce these bills when they know that there's no chance of them winning uh, and going through and getting signed into law. So, it's absolute horseshit. Uh, Bobert is not the brightest crayon in the box, in my opinion, anyway. Next article from Amelan, Obama public attitude on gun needs reshaping. Murphy predicts popular revolt. So, if you haven't heard this, this was just absolute fucking insanity. So, uh, Connecticut Senator Chris Murphy and former President Barack Obama are sending signals about where the battle of the Second Amendment is heading. Uh, Obama appeared on CBS Morning, said the public's attitude about guns must be reshaped. He noted that now part of the work has to be done, not in just those communities that already want to do something about gun violence, but we also have to reactively reach out to communities where gun ownership is an important tradition. Uh, he goes on to say with uh, Senator Murphy over the weekend on Politico predicted a possible popular revolt in the event the U.S. Supreme Court hands down rulings against some forms of gun control legislation. He suggested that the high court is not legitimate. <sighs> you know, I fucking hate this horseshit in regards to uh, the, you know, fucking... In, you know, the inter-branch bickering, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, it's, it's mainly the judicial and other uh, branches, or, you know, it's a lot the executive and legislative branch, uh, especially now with this whole debt ceiling limit thing going on, uh, you know, this just constant back and forth in regards to, you know, oh, uh, you guys are wrong, I'm right, 
the Supreme Court's not legitimate. Uh, we need to pack the court because we're not liking what they're saying. Uh, you know, shit like that. When Obamacare was upheld in the Supreme Court, uh, you know, yeah, there was some bitching from the conservative side saying that, um, you know, the Supreme Court overstepped. Uh, it's it's kind of like its authority to um, allow the Obamacare to pass under purposes of, of tax where that is not what was really argued for Obamacare and uh, but you know the the progressives the left they're constantly talking about reshaping uh, our you know government they're talking about uh, upsetting you know checks and balances to get their way and you're seeing that now with the debt ceiling you know they're talking about invoking the 14th amendment so that way the president can just constantly raise our debt ceiling with no um no you know consequences whatsoever and i mean just the thought that these people think that they can um do this to our government and there be no consequences absolutely fucking insane and especially senator chris murphy talking about a popular revolt and that the supreme court is uh not legitimate i mean that motherfucker should be kicked out of all forms of government and not be allowed to run for anything ever again so let's go on to the next story. Uh, Ameland State's federal judge in Virginia strikes down ban on handgun sales to young adults. Now, I really like this. So uh, a judge declared the purchase of handguns by individuals between the ages of 18 to 20 years old is covered by the Second Amendment. Uh, so the uh, court case was Frazier versus Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Farms, and Explosives. Uh, U.S. District Judge Robert E. Payne, a George H.W. Bush appointee, said on page 39 of his 71-page ruling, if the court were to exclude 18 to 20-year-olds from the Second Amendment protection, it would impose limitations on the Second Amendment that do not exist with our constitutional guarantees, and it is firmly established that the rights enshrined in the 4th, 5th, 6th, 8th, and 14th Amendments vest before the age of 21. And that's exactly fucking right. I mean, if the Second Amendment doesn't apply to uh, people that are below 21, then why does the rest of the Constitutional Amendment apply? Uh, this guy hit it on the fucking head. I mean, they hit the nail on the fucking head. It is 100% right. Uh, later, Judge Payne observes that the court finds that the right to purchase a gun falls within the Second Amendment's plain text. No fucking duh. Uh, he cited the Bruin ruling, uh, the Bru bleh, the Bruin ruling multiple times, and uh, this this was an interesting case. I'm very interested to see. You know, this is going. I feel like it's going to go to the Supreme Court because you know that is a national thing. Uh, you know, nationally, you have to be 21 to purchase a handgun. Uh, so, I'm interested to see what the Supreme Court says about this and what we've seen so far with um, the Supreme Court ruling on Second Amendment cases, we see how they feel about it, and I'm looking forward to it. Next article from Ameland, Minnesota legislature goes all in on universal background checks and red flag gun confiscation. I tell you what, Minnesota, I don't know, well, I know what's going on with Minnesota. Um, just a whole lot of fucking progressives and, and loonies uh, being led into the country and then put into that state. Uh, so that today, the Minnesota House of Representatives passed the 500-page public safety ominous bill containing universal background checks and red flag confiscation, uh, marking the proposal's final passage through the state legislature. Uh, this was passed, and it was put on the governor's desk. Uh, as of last I've researched, it hasn't been signed but there has been no, uh, there has been no um, word from the governor's office that he's planning on vetoing it, like the Nevada governor has. And 
uh, tell you what, Minnesota, it's a shame because Minnesota is a very fucking beautiful place. Um, if it wasn't so fucking crazy with the uh, St. Paul and Minneapolis uh, metro, I would love to go up to Minnesota for its outdoors uh, offerings, whether, you know, camping, fishing, and all that kind of good shit. But I'll never live there because of shit like this. Next article from MLAN, Canada's gun confiscation program is in its first phase. Last month, the Federal Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino announced the first phase of the federal government's uh, gun confiscation uh, buyback program, part of the May 2020 ban on assault weapons. The Canadian press reports the initial step is a contract with the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association, a group representative uh, of Canada's hunting and sport shooting industry, to work with Public Safety Canada and farms businesses and retailers. So it will cover approximately 11,000 now prohibited firearms and related parts held as inventory uh, with no with a law now banning licensed retailers from transferring, selling, or returning to manufacturers. God, that's fucking cool. You can't even return it to the manufacturer. Uh, the contract, which is actually a budget, is worth over 700000 Canadian dollars and expected to extend into 2024. Uh, with, you know, all guns to be collected and reimbursed for the expenses incurred up to a maximum of 707000 Canadian dollars. Uh, Wes Winkle, uh, who is the, you know, that Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Association's president, indicated that the object is to ensure that the affected businesses receive full compensation for the guns, as it is clear they have no other options respecting the banned inventory. That's fucking nuts. You know, I'm telling you. There's a lot of shit I would say, but I wouldn't recommend legally to people because it could get you in trouble. But that's fucking insane. Uh, many mall, small mom and pop businesses have over two hundred fifty thousand Canadian dollars invested in now unsellable stock, and even if the gun fail, uh, the gun confiscation fails to proceed, these and other licensed dealers will be stuck with year, years old inventory that will likely have to be disposed of as a loss. Uh, I can't believe any business is working with these people. Honestly, that that is absolutely fucking insane. Statement adds that we're not aware where the number of 11,000 firearms came from and as no database has been collected or provided to anyone at this time, includes by expressing its overall skepticism over the viability of the industry buyback program. Yeah, no shit. Uh, So, I mean, it's coming. If you live in Canada, it is coming. And this is where, you know, if you're Canadian... And I already know, like, uh, Fire Force Ventures. Uh, I keep up with their uh, social media. I like a lot of the offerings that they provide. Um, he lived in Canada, and he has now moved to the United States after uh, this right here. Uh, when this started with the uh, gun banning and, you know, eventually now leading to confiscation, he left Canada, and he's immigrated to the United States. And that's what... And I hate to say it like this, and I, and I wish, fucking A, I wish that uh, all, you know, Canada's gun-loving citizens could move down here to the United States, and Canada is more than welcome to have all of our progressive gun control uh, liberals and to move up there. I wish we could just do, like, a prisoner exchange, um, because that is what the Canadians that support uh, gun ownership in Canada are now. They're basically prisoners, because, you know they are going to have to either break the law and worry about the consequences uh, or they're going to have to surrender their property uh, without any sort of compensation because, you know, I guarantee you that that, you know, 707000 Canadian dollars isn't going to cover all the firearms that are in Canada. So you're going to have to either sell it at a loss or you're going to have to destroy it and have a complete loss regardless you're losing money and for a business owner you know especially the small business owners to medium-sized business owners they can't afford that so it's just fucking insane let's go on into the next story uh next story comes to us from the guardian uh and it is titled gun violence is top public health concern for quarter of a million a uh, quarter of Americans poll. 
So, wow. A quarter of Americans is, says that uh, guns is the top health concern. Uh, not above opioids, or I'm sorry, uh, around 25% believe opioids and fentanyl are the top concern. Uh, and, you know, in February it says guns were only 17%, but now it's saying it's a quarter. Whoop de fucking do. Um, and of course, in this, it says 50% of the people in this poll were Democrat and 31% of the people uh, living in urban areas uh, cited that that was their number one concern. So it just goes to show that these people really have no fucking idea uh, what's going on in America with uh, opioids, uh, depression because of, uh, you know, lockdowns, um, you know, inflation, uh, you know, there, there's a lot more to the mental health of this country than versus fucking, uh, you know, guns. You know, there's a lot more problems to mental health than guns. And they just want to focus on that for some reason. I just wanted to point out the, the idiocy of that. This comes to us from NPR News. Uh, Walt signs red flag orders, universal background checks uh, into law. Oh, well, uh, I take that back. So that was from Minnesota. That's my error. So I guess I uh, pulled this up late. So, yeah, Minnesota did fucking sign that into law. Fucking A. I meant to put those two stories together. My bad, y'all. This comes to us from Fox Baltimore. The cost of carrying a gun legally versus little to no cost for criminals using them. So this is an interesting, uh, you know, interesting opinion piece. Uh, Tuesday, Governors Westmore for Balt or for Maryland signed Senate Bill One in law. It goes into effect in October and limits where legal gun owners can carry their firearms. Opponents of the law have said it punishes legal gun owners who follow the law while criminals are not buying guns legally. Yeah, that's absolutely 100% correct. And the uh, this Fox 45 Baltimore looked into the cost of Maryland resident to legally purchase and carry a gun. Uh, so. It costs $300 for fingerprints for our class and application, uh, and uh, you know a gun around five to $400. Uh, so they also said the ranges around $400 for the class. You know other ranges charge around $400 for the class fingerprints and application. So you're looking at nearly, it says around $1,400 to purchase and carry a gun legally in the state of Maryland. And they spoke uh, with, <laughs> this is funny, they spoke with law enforcement analysts about how much money and wait times are criminal experiencing, experiencing. and uh, the law enforcement analyst said, I'd say very little as possible. So I just thought that was a funny opinion piece because, you know, it's absolutely fucking true. Uh, criminals, you know, they're snatching uh, these uh, firearms from Cars, burglaries, stores, smash and grabs, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, you have that there. Next, uh, Blair County, and this comes to us from WAT or WTAJ, uh, which is a local news organization. Uh, Title is Blair County Duo Charged with Selling Ghost Guns Hit Kits. Uh, this is from Pennsylvania. Two men, 147, 151. Uh, were charged by ATF. Uh, they supposedly, you know, sold these as hit kits. Uh, they have fought, you know, the U.S. attorneys filed a motion for protective order against the two. They had multiple weapons seized. Uh, one gentleman was already convicted in 2016 for illegally possessing firearms. Uh, they said, police said they found. AR-15s while doing the search warrant, and they found a photo of him holding a pistol on Facebook. Uh, this went, you know, they've already had preliminary, but that's been it. But you know, I'm telling you, I, I am curious um, what was actually sold in this, and you know, I believe that felons, after doing their time, they should be allowed to earn their second amendment rights back um so i wonder you know they said he was already a prohibited person if uh, 
you know, if he's already done his time and he's not on probation or parole or anything like that, if he's allowed, you know, he should have been allowed to regain his Second Amendment rights back as long as it wasn't a, you know, serious, you know, violent crime, uh, and especially calling them hit kits. I mean, they're obviously trying to push a narrative with calling that. You know, when, when did, you know, the good old days of news where news was they just told you the stories and then they let you form your own opinion uh, instead of giving you their opinion with the news. This next article comes to us from the AP and it's titled is Supreme Court lets Illinois keep ban on sale of some semi-automatic guns for now. So uh, you know Illinois obviously is infamous for uh, what they have in regards to gun control and the Supreme Court has allowed them to continue to place the ban on some semi-automatic rifle or firearms for now uh, but the high court has denied you know the emergency request but as you know people are still continuing to challenge the law on the ban of so-called assault weapons basically this was just the emergency injunction for the state to stop uh, banning uh, the sale of firearms in uh, standard capacity magazines was denied. So this case is still going forward, but they're not placing an injunction at the moment. So I don't want you to think that this is, you know, I can see, and that's the way the AP is, is trying to report this, is that they're trying to report this as some sort of victory for gun control. Uh, but I see this being defeated ultimately in the Supreme Court. So that's going to be it for our main segment. Let's go ahead and start getting into the gun gear news and reviews. So we have some pretty interesting shit to talk about in my opinion here today, so let's go ahead and start getting into it. <clears throat> this first product comes to us from the Firearms blog and its title is Axel's X-Core, the world's first true wireless 100% digital ear pro buds. So they released this uh, product uh, for high quality hearing protection and they're claiming it's the first true wireless 100% uh, digital ear pro. So it says, unlike traditional um, protection, the X-Core Buds features cutting technology that allows to experience digital audio clarity. Uh, this means that you can hear your surroundings without any distortion or interference from background. Uh, it also has uh, Bluetooth, which is cool, hands-free communication, which is cool. Um, I don't understand how they're saying this is the first true 100% uh, wireless because, you know, I've talked before about my Walker uh, silencer Bluetooth. I think that mine are 1.0. I think they've come out with 2.0 now. Uh, those are also wireless. Those are really cool. Uh, they're my favorite ear pro. Uh, I have some contacts and, and those are ultimately my favorite. These are 350 bucks. So that's kind of expensive and uh, it's kind of like the walkers or AirPods as well uh, by the looks of it it's an in-ear bud uh, and it comes with a little carrying case uh, inside a carrying case so it's got like the little uh, little case that you place them in that charges them and then that has its own carrying case that you can carry uh, different uh, you know earpieces uh, looks like the charger fits in there uh, you know that's all kind of cool, uh, but for 350, I think Walkers, I think if I remember correctly, are around 200. Uh, but don't quote me on that. I think they might have gone up. Uh, next is the from the Farms blog Pulsar Merger LRF XP 50 thermal binoculars. Uh, now these are really fucking cool. Uh, so these uh, have uh, what looks like to be you know uh, you know a digital uh, push buttons up the top um, <clears throat> it is looks a little bigger than normal uh, particular you know normal binoculars 
Uh, it's got a 50 uh, hertz frame rate. Um, it's got the 2.5 to 20 uh, magnification. The field of view is between 12.4 and 9.3 degrees. Uh, or 21.8 to 16.3 meters at 100 meters. Uh, the eye relief is 15 millimeter. Uh, you can, you know, some of the pictures on this is great. Like it's shown at like 328 meters uh, and all that kind of stuff. Now, when you're looking at this, this is really cool. And I've been very interested in thermals myself. I've been wanting to get into the night vision and or thermal game for a while uh, just because of hunting and and uh, you know the shit is so thick here that you know you need especially thermals you need the thermals especially if you want to do some hunt night hunting and stuff like that and there's a lot of uh, wild hogs here so but when you're looking at this uh, the MSRP is six thousand dollars which honestly isn't too terrible um, when you're thinking about thermal and especially something that's meant to be a little bit more rugged because it's meant for the outdoors uh, but yeah six grand is, is a bit much uh, this next one is really fucking awesome in my opinion and this is something that I'm probably gonna at least get one of to try it out uh, and this is from the firearms blog it's uh, S&T ink shocker paintball style double trigger so for anyone that's ever was in a paintball, I was in a paintball like in high school and then like my first year or two of college. Um, if you're familiar with like some of the, the speed, like fast uh, paintball guns, they get, you know, got what's called like a rocker trigger. And it's basically a trigger that is, uh, you can put two fingers in there and then you just kind of like walk your fingers and uh, it helps you shoot faster. So this is a... It's called the Shocker, and this is for your AR-15. And this is something that actually goes over your current AR-15. So basically, all you'd have to do is take off your um, your trigger guard, and this is placed right in there. Uh, this thing is really fucking cool, and it only retails for $99. Uh, so this is definitely something that I'm going to get. And I'm going to report back to you guys on how it is. Uh, next article and product is from the Firearms Blog, and it's the Fold 'em Up Strike Industries Stock Only Dual Folding Adapter. Now, this is pretty cool, in my opinion. Um, it is, you know, with like Law Tactical or uh, Strike Industries folding uh, bit you can only fold in one direction and if you're like me uh, who is a left-handed rifle shooter uh, this could be a pain in the ass um, but this right here it's you know it's got a length of nine and a half inches uh, width of two inches height of four and a half only weighs just shy of 10 ounces. The price is $197.95. Uh, that's a little pricey, but that's not too terrible for something that it comes with the stock. Um, you can fold it each way. And, you know, it depending on like situational awareness, I think this is really awesome. I think it's right on as well. Uh, next article and product comes from the Fire and Blog. Right on announces. Uh, five tactics, one by ten by twenty-four. First focal plane, low uh, power variable optic. Now, I threw this in here just because um, I heard some interesting, disturbing shit uh, about right on uh, from another gun podcast. I think it was like two or three weeks ago. Um, they had, I think it was a a. Uh, uh, pistol op a pistol optic and it turns off after a certain amount of time I think if I remember correctly and there was like nothing you could do to stop that so like if you're using it or you know at the range whatever it's just automatically going to cut off and there's nothing you could do to to get over that and this thing is retailing for 960 um, 
you know, I, I don't know what other in something else in regards to that right on, uh, right on or right on or written or whatever you fucking say this company's name. Uh, something that, you know, is interesting about that pistol optic is that it wasn't advertised that way. So the person called the company and the company said, yeah, that's just the way it's designed. And it's like it wasn't, you know, advertised in, in such a way. So I wouldn't obviously, I, you know, because of that, I would not um, recommend this brand for any sort of serious duty use. If, uh, you know, you have a, a range gun and you're wanting just a range gun for this, uh, yeah, okay, that's cool. But I also wouldn't be spending $960 for just, you know, some range optics. So, uh, thought that was interesting and wanted to toss that in there. Uh, the next to last is a new Smith and Wesson Performance Center M&P 10 millimeter, uh, 2.0. Uh, I'm telling you, man, like Smith and Wesson seems like they've been killing it lately with this new, uh, like integrated comp, uh, pistol of theirs. And now they're offering it in a 10 millimeter, you know, obviously I don't see how this could be really for competition use, but I could see this being great for uh, self-defense or for like maybe some sort of bear defense if you're going out in the woods. The MSRP of it is $750. Uh, it's shipped with two mags and comes with a core plate system for the optics. Uh, I love, I got like an old school Smith & Wesson Pro Core 9mm before they came out with the 2.0 version. I love my Smith & Wesson. Uh, I just would love to get one of these that's got like that integrated comp on it for fucking sure. And the last product we're going to talk about is, comes to us from Recoil, and it's the first look at Killer Innovations Velocity Pro Tut Comp for the Sig Sauer P320. Uh, I put this in here because I am personally looking for a comp for a uh, for my 320. Um, the MSRP on this is only $136, but now the only thing that sucks about this is that I've been looking forever uh, for a fucking um, a threaded barrel for a 320, and the only one that I can find comes from Sig themselves, and like they're wanting a fuck ton for just a, a threaded barrel. I think it was like around three hundred dollars. And something else that's been kind of holding me off on it is just the fact that uh, I'm looking for a good uh, holster for it, and um, I've been looking uh, for like a good um something that it takes like a qls fork uh it's got some good retention to it uh and you know will hold my light uh, my optic and all the other good shit but uh, i am really in love with this comp and like i said i've been looking for one so uh that's why i wanted to toss it in here because this piques my interest so that is going to do it for the gun gear news and reviews let's go into the gun culture segment and start wrapping the show up Well, in today's gun culture segment, we're going to talk about an old movie, but a good movie, in my opinion. Uh, it's going to be the 2001 movie starring Robert Redford, and it's called The Last Castle. So now this this fucking um, this movie has an all-star cast. It's got uh, James Gandolfini. Uh, it's got Mark Ruffalo. Uh, it's got Steve Burton. Uh, it's got a lot of fucking good people in it. And it doesn't have a whole lot of guns in it because it takes place in a military prison. But it is a really good fucking movie. And it is out on HBO Max. Uh, so if you have access to HBO Max, I highly recommend that you go watch it. Uh, it's basically the premise of the movie is Robert Redford is a three-star general who is convicted and is placed in military prison. Uh, James Gandolfini is the colonel over the prison. And while Robert Redford is there, he finds out that James Gandolfini is really uh, abusing and mistreating 
the prisoners at the military prison and this ends up in the death of some of the prisoners there so uh, Robert Redford uh, tries to use his connections and leadership skills to remove James Gandolfini as the colonel over the base uh, to bring some sort of reform there and it just is all about that it's a really good movie it's an old one like i said it's 2001 i want to say it's like pre 9 11 2001 i had this thing on dvd uh and i found it the other day while scrolling through hbo max and watched it again honestly because it's been so long since i've seen it uh and it's a really good movie and i highly recommend that you enjoy it or and go watch it and enjoy it but uh it doesn't have a whole lot of guns in there uh just because it does take place in a prison but there are some uh, firearms in there and because it is a military prison uh, there's a lot of military firearms in there there's Mossberg 590, uh, 590s there's a whole lot of M16A2s uh, there's the Beretta 92FS and then the Remington uh, 1858 uh, New Army which I you know you're probably thinking well, how in the fuck did that make it into the movie well you gotta go watch it to find out so check it out but like I said, uh, that is going to be it for the gun culture segment. Uh, it is available on HBO Max, and it is a really good fucking movie. And I would, I, like I said, I'd recommend anybody to go watch it because it's a good movie, and Robert Redford fucking kills it in there. So that's going to be it. Let's go ahead and start wrapping up the show. that's going to be it for another episode of 2A Lifestyle. I greatly appreciate you guys for listening in to another one. Go ahead and check out our social media. We're everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. I mean, like I said, we're on Instagram and Facebook, but we're everywhere. So go ahead and check out and see what we're up to in between podcasts. Also, to help uh, make sure that you can grow this podcast, if you got a gun buddy that you hit the range with or talk guns about, go ahead and share this episode. That's the best way to help share and grow the podcast. Also, make sure you leave us a review. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. On Apple Podcasts, if you can, please make sure that you leave us just at least a one sentence for some reason. Apple Podcasts seems to hold those with a little bit more weight than just a simple five-star. That's also the best way for people to find us whenever they're looking for gun-related content on their podcast platform. Also, if you like the show, please make sure you check out our Patreon. Anything you guys give us on Patreon is greatly appreciated, even if it's $1. It goes directly into publishing this podcast and getting new stuff to make sure we can grow this podcast and get some good stuff for some upcoming projects that we have going on. With that, I greatly appreciate you for listening to another episode, and I will see you guys again in a week. And until then, keep on enjoying that 2A lifestyle. Does she really wanna rock that fantasy?